Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be here. It was good to think about faith. Um, and what do I trust in? Who do I trust in? Uh, am I looking for a city? You know, those heroes of faith are a challenge to us. Yeah, they were looking for a city. They had a vision. They knew what they wanted. And the challenge to us is, do we do the same? <clears throat> Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Lord, we come to you. We just thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you that you have made a way for us to know you to be your sons and daughters, to walk with you, to know you personally as our Savior, and that we can have confidence and look forward um, in faith, believing that you are doing a work, that you are building a city, and that you will receive your own to yourself. And so, God, we just uh, look to you to take the words that I speak and Make them life to each person. Meet each person's need here today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. <clears throat> the title of my message this morning is Be Strong. <clears throat> and I'm taking, it kind of took this text from Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. He says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Now, he doesn't say here we're just barely going to make it or that somehow you're going to be able to wiggle through it. Uh, but he gives it as a key, and he says, it's those that know their God. And that is where the real key comes. <clears throat> and, uh, and he says, they shall be strong. So when people know their God, he says, you know God, you will be strong. Um, and uh, you're going to be able to do great things. Now, if you look at the rest of the chapter, um, you know, it's, it's, it's it, it, we, we look at it and it, is it portraying an end time scenario? Uh, it's possible, I'm not sure. Um, not really trying to dive into that one. But in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of everything that happens, uh, the destruction, the upheaval that seems to, to come out of, of Daniel chapter 11. Um, and then here's this phrase. The people that know their God shall be strong. And so the question to us today is, do we know God? And if we do, are we strong? Or how do we get there? <clears throat> How do we become strong? What's the key? What's the secret in being strong? 
Well, let's look at some, uh, I'm going to look at an Old Testament character first. Um, and he kind of lays a little bit of a groundwork to the thoughts. Um, and uh, then we'll go to the New Testament. Nehemiah chapter 4 is where we want to start. Uh, Moses also made a similar statement um, in Deuteronomy 31. He was, uh, he was about at the end of his life, and he said, Be strong and of a good courage, fear not. Nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And so this was Moses, um, one of his last uh, statements to the children of Israel. And, uh, and he, he makes this statement, he says, be strong and have good courage. Well, here in uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, we find a, a scenario in which... Um, Nehemiah had come back to Jerusalem to, to rebuild, um, and, and so this, this, is, this is the scene in which uh, this we, we come to here. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. And it came to pass that when Senballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was with him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Stop here for just a second. Now, now think about what what was said here for a minute. It's it's playing on people's thought. It's playing on the idea that you know what you're doing is not going to work. It's going to be a failure. Um, you know, easy, easy. This Tobiah makes the statement: a fox could take your wall down. So he, they're, they're playing on the idea that oh, you, you Jews don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, you're, you're just weak. And this, this wall is back down. Um, and so, in a sense, we could say they were, they, were in a, they were trying to create a fear. They were trying to create an uncertainty. The idea that you can't do this. You're, you're going to be a failure. Um, <clears throat> And so we have an enemy that also comes to us in a similar way sometimes. And he says, you can't do that. You're going to be a failure. It won't work. Uh, you know, he, he can come up with a whole excuses and reasons and ideas. And, and they cross our minds. We all know what that is, you know, uh, when we have all these doubts about, it. you know, we, we think God has something. God at us at a certain point, he wants us to do something, but then here come all these things, these doubts, and, and we, we, you know, really there? Is what he said? How do I know? <clears throat> Verse 4 Hear, O our God, Nehemiah speaking, 
and, or maybe it's part of his prayer, I think maybe it is. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. We'll stop here for a second again. Notice the idea here. Uh, thought, you know, is he says that the people had a mind to work. They were putting their heart into what was happening. Um, they, they understood that, okay, we have a work to do. God has called us. Uh, we, had a, we have a leader, and Nehemiah is here. He's encouraging us. He's showing us the way. And, he, and so, and so they, they put their mind to it, and, and, they, uh, they, and they went to work. You know, sometimes we have to simply accept by faith that what God has said is what he wants or is what he's going to do. Um, Whatever, whatever that situation might look like in our lives. Um, and we have to accept some of those things by faith at times, even though we can't see the end. Um, but the people had a mind to work. They put their heart to it. And they didn't let the fear that uh, Sanballat and Tobiah were, were trying to create, they didn't let that fear take a hold of them um, you know, this statement isn't original with me, but it came across the statement, fear cannot get a stronghold in the heart of someone who is full of the vision and majesty of God. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, when we have a vision of God and we see his majesty, we see who he is, fear can't take root in that setting, in that heart. It's when we, uh, we doubt God. Uh, we're not seeing him for who he is. Uh, and we'll touch maybe a little bit on that later. Um, but, you know, when doubt takes a hold of us, um, we don't move ahead because fear sets in. We doubt what God says for whatever reason. <clears throat> but if we have a vision of who he is, of his might and his power, of his greatness, of his majesty, you know, fear doesn't take a hold in that heart. <clears throat> Verse 7. We came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth, and they conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and hinder it. Verse 9, nevertheless, this is, this is the response. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God, set a watch against them day and night because of them. Now, where did Nehemiah and the people turn to? It says, Nevertheless, you know, we're faced with this challenge. 
but we're coming to God in prayer. He says, we made our prayer unto our God. And so they turned to the God that had, to, uh, had been their God in the past. Now, for many of these people, you know, the stories of their deliverance from Egypt, for instance, it was not something they had actually even seen. Um, they, they just simply knew these stories because they had been passed down from generation to generation. And so that's what they knew. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes we need to simply go back and look at what God has done for us in the past. We can all look at times in our lives when, you know, we were filled with doubt. We were filled with fear. We couldn't move ahead. But we remember what God does. And it's like, okay, but he can do it again. You know, we can take courage in that. He can do it again. And he does. Um, maybe not always in the same way. Maybe not in the way we think he should. Or the, like we, we kind of get into this little rut where we think God has to do something in a certain way in order for it to be right. But that's not who he is. Uh, and we can't put him in that box. Verse 10, and Judah said, the strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. So they, there, there were some hindrances here. And our adversaries said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. And so there were, there were Jews living amongst their adversaries here and, and heard the talk. <clears throat> Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall and in the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. <clears throat> I can see Nehemiah. He's on the wall. He's walking back and forth. He's saying, Be strong. You have a work. Uh, you know, he, he says here he sat watchmen. Um, uh, so even though they faced some, some obstacles, it uh, appears like there was probably a lot of rubble and, and just all mixed together. We could kind of, we know what it is like if a building gets knocked down, there's a tornado, there's some destruction of some kind. And you, know, you, you get there and it's like, where do I start? The mountain looks big. It looks almost hopeless sometimes. And, and so I, I think that's maybe a little bit, that's the picture I get here, that this is what these people were facing, uh, a situation in which they weren't sure what to do with it. And then on top of all that, here comes Tobias and Ballot, and they're like, oh, you know, and, and so, so they're facing an enemy, and they're facing work that they don't know quite what to do with. But Nehemiah had a message for the people, and he said, be not afraid. And then he said, remember the Lord. And there was the key to their 
to their uh, success, I think, was remember the Lord. He's great and terrible. He can do what he wants to do. Um, you know the stories. I can just hear him be like, yeah, you know the stories. You've heard the stories. He delivered us from Egypt. Uh, and, and there was darkness between us and the Egyptians. And, and so the Egyptians couldn't come. Uh, you you have heard all these things. So, so where are you? Why don't you believe? I'm putting some of my own imagination into this. But, but it, I think we can get a picture that... This is who. This is the God He was trying to portray to them, um, and He's He's saying, "But He is a powerful God. Uh, he's a great God." He uses the word "terrible." He's someone that they, you know, the enemy can't reckon with because He can He can do what He wants to do. <clears throat> Verse fifteen. It came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us that and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. It came to pass from that time forth that half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them both held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the habergeons, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which builded the wall, and they which that bear burdens, and those that laid it, every one with his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had a sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. That's as far as I'm going to read here in Nehemiah. But, but we get a picture of a people who were at work, but they were also on the lookout. They saw it. They knew there was an enemy out there. They had to be ready for that enemy because he was a threat to them. And, and so, um, you know, they were at work, but they also had their sword um, with them. And, uh, and then there were people close by that, that were holding spears and, and the other instruments of war. <clears throat> and so... I think as Nehemiah, uh, as I envision him moving among the people, encouraging them, remember, think back what God has done. He's a powerful God, and he calls him great and terrible. And then he said, fight for your brethren. You know, if there is a conflict, take up arms. Fight for your brethren, uh, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. Um, <clears throat> Remember his faithfulness and how great he is and what he's done on our behalf, or in our case, on my, on my behalf as, a, as an individual. <clears throat> and so having a vision of God, I think, is, is a lot of the key. Here these people had a vision of God. They had a vision of who he was. Uh, and Nehemiah was bringing these things to their remembrance, I think, uh, my guess is there's a lot more recorded to these than what is recorded, or a lot more to these conversations than what is recorded to us. Um, I would tend to believe that Nehemiah probably relived some of those stories of their deliverance uh, and things that God had done for them in the past, reminding them this is the same God. 
that we're serving in, this is the same God that can deliver us. <clears throat> so, we have an enemy. We have a battle ahead of us. Maybe we're in the heat of the battle. Um, there's things you're facing in your life that you don't see an outcome for. Uh, questions in your life. Let's turn to John chapter 15. We'll turn to the New Testament now. And look at, look at some thoughts here in John chapter 15, uh, the first 10 verses. These are Jesus' words. And he uses the phrase here, uh, abide in me. He uses that several times. Um, <clears throat> and this is part of the key uh, for for the New Testament believer. Let's just read the first 10 verses. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As my Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. <clears throat> now let's think about these verses here for a few minutes. <clears throat> These are Jesus' words, and, uh, and they come to us with the idea of, uh, in, in a few words, I guess we could say, the idea of abiding in Christ. So the first three verses, um, he, he makes the statement here in verse 3, he says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So God's word has a purifying effect on us. It is, it is cleansing to us. Now, <clears throat> God's cleansing to us isn't always pleasant, and, and sometimes we, we look at it and it's like, well, that was a painful experience. Um, yeah, we all know what pain is. It's not new to us. Uh, we experience it from time to time. But he says here, my word will clean you. Um, and so I think we need to have confidence in that, in that uh, thought, or we, we trust him with that, that his words have a cleansing effect on us. But it will only go as far as we allow it to go. Uh, he never forces himself upon us or says, I said this, so, you, so, you know, in a sense, forcing himself 
on us or forcing us to make that choice, we still have a choice in the matter of whether the word is going to cleanse us or not. <clears throat> so the next thought I have here is, you know, for sometimes the, the idea um, of abiding in Christ. Um, so what does it mean? How, how does this play out in our lives? Uh, what does it, how can, how can we abide in Christ and what does it look like? Well, I think one of the ways is, the first thing is, we have to let go of old ways and the spiritual process is new. Um, it's refining. It, it brings us to a different place in life. And so, and so it is a process that we go through. Um, you know, the old things are passed away, so things are become new. So when all things become new, there is a new way of doing things. So the old things are replaced by new things. Um, Maybe not all at once. Sometimes that is a process of time. Um, in many, for most people, it is. It is. It is a process of time of letting go of the past, of old ways, and and letting a the spiritual process take place in our hearts. <clears throat> the next thing is, it demands of us a complete trust in God. Um, you know. That that's sometimes that's a difficult thing place for us to go. Uh, we we're made up of a, of a way of thinking that uh, we want to kind of feel it or see it or and somehow experience it. Um, that's kind of our makeup. Um, but we have to let go of of that idea. Um, it demands a complete trust in God. It demands letting go of my independent spirit, my independent ideas, and, and accepting what the New Testament teaches. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I've, I've said already, I don't know if I've ever said it here, I'm not sure, but I, um, I think individualism is a brother to rebellion because the church is taught, as taught in the New Testament, as a collective body. It's not a, just an individualism uh, where we just have have my own ideas and and build on my own ideas. <clears throat> Abiding in Christ is a cornerstone to our Christian life. You know, Christ is the vine. He brings to us the nutrients. I can't do it myself. Um, <clears throat> You know, we, we, we know what a vine looks like, and it has the little branches coming off of it. Um, but when we cut that branch off, yeah, it's not going to do anything. It doesn't have life in itself. Um, it has to be connected to the vine. And so Christ is the source that brings to us the nutrients to, to um, produce fruit, to be who he wants us to be. Growth is not about what I do, did, but what about he, 
but about what he does. Forget it said right. And so growing is not what I do, but it is about what he does. He does the work in, a, in us. I can't do it on my own. He provides the nutrients to, to do that. Verses 2 and 6, he's produ- he prunes the branches that hinder and are not producing fruit. You know, sometimes, you know, and, and, and I know we've all done it. I've, I've done it, too. Uh, where we kind of want to portray one side of the story of of Christ's love for us, and and that is all right and good. But there's another side to that story, uh, and here he he points to that, he, and he says, um, "If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth." And so there's another half to the story, um, uh, to the story of of what God teaches of of who He is and how He looks at life. And so, in a certain sense, you could almost say, would you present the gospel? In one sense, you fast forward that tape. Uh, maybe some of you younger ones maybe don't know what a tape is, but, you know, years ago we had this cassette tape, and you, if you didn't want to listen to what was there, you hit the fast forward button, and it went to the next thing. And then you played whatever you wanted to listen to again. <clears throat> but... Here he says, he, he, you know, he's, he's making the statement about uh, being cast forth, a branch that isn't producing, he's, he's getting rid of it. And so I think when we look at the gospel story, you know, we look at abiding in Christ and who he is and what he does, there's another half to that story, and we can't miss the second half uh, of that story either. You know, we, we need to present the whole truth and look at the whole truth in our own hearts. Abiding in Christ is a walk of faith. He doesn't tell us the future, but he says, I will be with you. And so not knowing the future sometimes is, uh, you know, we look, we can look at life and be like, well, sure, it'd be nice if God would just write it on the wall. This, do it like this. But this is not how he does it. Um, but by faith, we can understand him and know him. Um, and we have the confidence in what he says, I will be with you. <clears throat> Abiding in him brings glory to the Father. Um, verse 8, and so he glorifies him. When we walk with him, brings glory to him. And that is what our lives are all about. It is about bringing glory to him. <clears throat> The last point I have in this section is continuing in his love and keeping his commandments directly affect our continuing to abide, to abide in him. So if we continue in his love, we keep his commandments, and that directly affects how we abide in him. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So it's my love for Christ, continuing with him, keeping his commandments. 
So abiding in Christ, I believe, is one of the keys. And, uh, and walking with him um, is some of the keys to uh, being strong in him. Um, without, without walking with him, without abiding with him, in him, we are a weak individual. <clears throat> First John 2. We'll read the first about 14 verses here. <clears throat> I'll read the first six and I'll, I'll make some comments here. First John 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know him, that we know him, if we keep his commandments. And Jesus made that same statement in John 15. <clears throat> he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Verses 3, 5, and 6, he he's, gives us a thought here of keeping his commandments or his precepts or what, what he teaches. The, words, the word abides in us, um, and, and we have to guard it. Uh, we, have to, we have to maintain it, so to speak. Um, you know, if we can... You know, if I if I if I simply just read the word today, but but uh, you know I have nothing to do with my Bible for another month, um, I'm going to forget. You know, I may remember some of it, uh, but but essentially, the walk with Christ gets lost, um, and and the word doesn't continue to to abide in our hearts. We have to guard it. Um, it carefully and, and store it in our hearts and not let it, not let it get away, uh, not let it be drowned out by the thorns and the thistles and the trinkets and the gadgets of this world that want to take our time and, uh, and affect our walk with him. Um, you know, all these little things that are there to distract us, the enemy uses all those things to, to get us to think about something else other than God's word and who God is um, and, and slowly drag us down. <clears throat> you know, it gives us the confidence in him and it produces a walk of faith and trust as we continue to abide in him. And so it's a, it's a walk of faith. It's a walk of trusting in him and, and continuing in him. Verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true and in and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. 
He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Oh, some of these first verses here that are read, they talk about loving our brother um, and uh, uh, he that saith that he's in the light hates his brother. He's in darkness. He's pretty, pretty clear about that. He doesn't leave us a lot of room, but he says, this is how it is. If you hate your brother, you're walking in darkness. <clears throat> but I, I, I wanted, uh, wanted the verse 13 and 14 here. And so the question that comes to us, am I abiding in him? You know, am I abiding in him Continuing walk with him. Uh, am I guarding his word carefully in my heart? And then he says, and then the next question is, are we overcoming the wicked one? Um, he says uh, there in verse 13, he says, I write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked one. So, so he's saying, I'm writing this because you are overcomers. So are we overcomers? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Am I that overcomer? Or am I drawing back in fear? Um, you know, I'm, I'm listening to Sam Ballot, as it were, and, and you know, you know the, the doubts that, that they're, they're trying to portray. And I can, I can draw back in fear. Uh, or I can be an overcomer. Uh, as he says here, we've overcome the wicked one. In the next verse, he, he says, I've written unto you, young men, because you're strong, and the word of God abideth in you. And so here's, here's a lot of the key to being strong. Our, I believe our strength is directly tied to our knowledge of God and his word abiding in us. It is directly tied to that idea. This verse tells us that very clearly. <clears throat> abiding in Christ is the real key to overcoming the temptations we face, the fears we face, the, the doubts we face, everything the enemy can throw at us. We can only overcome it through the strength that God provides and our knowledge of him and his word and his word abiding in us directly affects how we respond to it. And, and I think that is just a lot of the key of being strong. If we want to be strong, we have to abide in him. And we have to let his word do his work in our hearts. You know, we can, we can hide in fear when the test comes. Um, and we all know what that experience is. When we just, we don't like the test, we don't like what it looks like, we draw back in fear. Um, the other question is, 
you know, Nehemiah knew where to turn to. He knew his God, and he knew where to go, and, and he did. Uh, do we know where to go? That's um, a challenge to us. You know, at times we shrink back in fear. Uh, but it's not what he wants from us. He wants us to be strong. He wants the word of God to abide in us. And it is when we are strong and abiding in him and the word is in us and we're guarding it carefully. And he says, you've overcome. So there's the key to overcoming. It is abiding in Christ and abiding his word and letting his word be in our hearts. And uh, as Nehemiah did, having that connection where we know where to turn to when the time comes. When there's temptation there, we know where the answer is. That is the key to overcoming. Uh, that is the key to being strong, as he says here. If we want to be strong, the Word of God has to abide in us. It's very clear. So my challenge to us this morning is, what's distracting you? Are you being distracted by the things of this world? Um, the trinkets, the gadgets, the who knows what. You know, we have so many things that come to us, and, and the enemy uses all these things, maybe things that are right and good, but he uses these things to distract us, um, to cause us to not keep our eyes on, on the God who is the answer, uh, and so then we shrink back in fear. That's not God's will. He doesn't want us to live in fear, but he wants us to live um, Strong, be strong. Let the word abide in us. Uh, that is the key to being an overcomer and being strong. God bless each of you.